most of the days are just filled with joy. Um, and the fact that we're able to work with these children and these families that are going through the toughest time, uh, you know, every single day in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, there's a family that gets a phone call that's going to dramatically change their lives. And the fact that we get to step up and be part of some of the joy, um, some of the healing, uh, just even just part of the journey of what they're going through with their medical um, diagnosis uh, is just really powerful. And we definitely don't take that for granted. Um, it's a serious place that's filled with a lot of joy. Zach here from Boston Speaks Up. That's the voice of George Devaney of Make-A-Wish. George is the Chief Advancement Officer at Make-A-Wish Massachusetts in Rhode Island. Uh, George's sort of main charter is just growing the overall like Make-A-Wish footprint, uh, fundraising more, and just really being able to increase the amount of wishes uh, every year that Make-A-Wish can deliver against. Uh, so super righteous mission. George has been in the nonprofit space for a while. Uh, he was at City Year prior uh, to Make-A-Wish. I think he was at City Year for about 17 years. Um, and he's lived all around the world. Um, uh, but now he's back in Dorchester where he's originally from. Uh, huge Celtics fan. We get into that a little bit. Um, we also talk about uh, the value and just having that appropriate work-life balance and, and, and the legacy uh, that George wants to leave, which is ultimately being a great dad. Um, so get ready to meet an awesome human. Uh, I'm really grateful I got a chance to, to chat with George and, and really stoked that I get to share it with you all. Cheers. Zach video here from Boston Speaks Up, and I'm here with George Devaney from Make-A-Wish. What's up, George? Hey, what's up, Zach? How's it going? It's going well, dude. Um, thanks for the pre-podcast chat. I feel like we're already in a flow, which is awesome. Um, for listeners, George and I just spent, I don't know, a portion, a good portion of our pre-call talking about the Celtics. We got a game seven coming up, so, you know, go seize. I got... I got my old Paul Pierce jersey in the background just to give some good, good juju for that. Um, before we even get into telling folks like what you're up to uh, these days, like any Celtics predictions for Game Seven, and and is it true? Are you gonna are you gonna be there? I hear I hear you're a season ticket holder. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I, I just you know all depends on what time the game's gonna be, but uh, really excited. I think that Game Six went the way I expected. It was Game Five was the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now it's time to take care of business. Right on, right on. Yeah. Jalen Brown threw out the challenge to the crowd, so we need to yeah. uh, we need to step up. He did. He did say he he did tell Boston that he felt like things have been fine. You know, he kind of gave the meh, you know, to the yeah. crowd. So <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a ruckus game seven. It would have been anyways, but uh, yeah, the garden's going to be bumping on on Sunday for sure. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Speaking of getting to business, let's talk about the business you're getting to. So you're you're the chief advancement officer at Make a Wish, Massachusetts and Rhode Island. I think everyone who listens to this is going to know Make a Wish, but just give you know give folks a little background on sort of what you're doing in that role and and sort of like maybe you know how that mission, um, the mission of Make a Wish is is evolving. Well, I mean, I think what we're doing is so important. Like you said, a lot of people understand what Make a Wish is. Um, but there might be some other misconceptions. They think that we're a big 
you know, national organization and there is Make-A-Wish America, um, they're more of a clearinghouse. So if somebody wants to, you know, from California wants to meet Jason Tatum, they'd go through Make-A-Wish so that not everybody's going to Jason Tatum. But all the wishes, all the money that we raise all goes to support uh, local kids here in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Um, what's really important for us is, is to understand uh, the scope of eligibility um, and understand that um, you know, how many kids would it take for us to to, to really serve everyone that's eligible. And uh, that's what we're really focused on. Um, my team is all about uh, securing the resources. So the way we do that is through a lot of events, um, a lot of peer-to-peer -peer, uh, fundraising, just giving people opportunity to get involved. But I think what's really special about Make-A-Wish is um, the amount of the ripple effects of the of the wish. It's beyond just the child that's getting it. It's their family. It's their community. And the fact that they open up their lives and allow Make a Wish to be a part of a part of it during such a tough time um, is really sacred, and we you know we really treasure that opportunity. So, um, a lot of joy um, uh, being working at Make a Wish is what I'd say. That's awesome. In terms of the events and the peer to peer and and sort of like the efforts to just talk a little bit about like what what, what kind of efforts or ways can listeners and folks that are going to be drawn to getting involved, supporting, collaborating with uh, Make-A-Wish, Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Like, what are some things you're up to now or, or some new ways, maybe some new ways that you're like helping bring, uh, create bigger community around Make-A-Wish to create more support, to generate more resources, to help help more kids? I think one of the most exciting things that we're really focused on is um, showing young people how they can get involved and support wishes in their local community. And one of the ways we do that is through a program we developed called Kids for Wish Kids. Um, and that's where elementary, middle and high school students can, you know, form a Make-A-Wish club. Um, you know, this weekend there's a, a car wash that somebody's putting on to raise money for Make-A-Wish. And uh, it's, uh, I'm a big fan of, of the show, The Wire. And one of the things in The Wire was about how all the pieces matter. And that's really what it comes down to at Make-A-Wish. We'd love to have big transformational gifts um, so that we know that we're going to be able to um, you know, have the resources to make sure that we're you know, granting every wish elig eligible. But um, at the same time, it's really powerful when you see the small gifts come in because you know that that is really meaningful from the small group of people that's putting those on. And so that's why you know, our, our Kids for Wish Kids program is so special to me. Um, but really, it's open to anyone, anyone that wants to to do anything to help um, make make a wish. Um, you know, we ex we would you know gladly accept. So I would say that it's a blank, blank slate. We're we're in the business of uh, figuring out how we can say yes to people that want to get involved with our mission. That's that's really cool. This is um, this is a pretty neat role that you find yourself in. I'm sure that it's a coveted role by a lot of people that work in the nonprofit sector. Like you're helping kids' wishes come true. <laughs> uh, I certain there's certain parts of me I have a, like there's like some envy in me where I'm like God, wow. my my new pal George, like he's got a sweet gig. Like that's amazing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the journey to like this role for you and and why it's such a unique um, and ideal fit for for you. So. You're 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 living in Dorchester now. Yep. 
and you were born in Dorchester, but there's a, there's a big, there's an interesting story. Like I'd love to just, you riff, like talk a bit about, you know, sort of your childhood in Dorchester and moving to, moving to Gainesville and sort of the, the journey you went on from there that kind of finds you back as a season ticket, uh, season ticket holder, um, you know, Boston Celtics fan, you know, father of two, um, you know, building the, the make a wish Massachusetts and Rhode Island, um, sort of brand and, and efforts in the region. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's kind of a shock for me when I think about where I'm at. I would have never expected to be um, working in nonprofit or the third sector or anything like that. I was not really anything that I was focused on. In fact, freshman year of college, um, the one class that I failed was the kind of gimme course that was basically focused on community. It was called Living and Learning in Community. And... Uh, I didn't do the community service hours, uh, and I think that that's why I've ended up doing, you know, over two two decades of uh, of community service hours since then. Um, you make it up for it, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I grew up in Dorchester, like you said, um, but then when I was seven years old, well, my mom took a job at the University of Florida, and so we moved to down to Gainesville. Uh, unfortunately, um, she passed away when I was twelve, about to turn thirteen. Um, which is an interesting tie-in with with Make a Wish because you know Make a Wish. Well, one of the things that we do is really create these lifelong memories for families, and so I kind of have always thought about how I uh, experienced because my mom had cancer, um, almost the reverse uh, of that. Um, so when I was thirteen, I moved back to Dorchester and uh, lived with my aunt and uncle, and commuted out to a private school in Lexington, Lexington Christian Academy. So every day I was on the red line, Ashmont's alewife, and we would see these people um, on the on the train with uh, red jackets and Timberland boots and khakis. And it was a nonprofit organization that started in Boston called City Year. And uh, we used to make fun of them and say we we're going to join just to get the free Tims and then quit the next day. And that was about the extent of my interaction with nonprofit world. Um, but I graduated from college in 2001. I went down to Eastern College, now Eastern University, outside of Philly, where I played hoops. Uh, but when I graduated, um, I went right into sales and um, was doing pretty well, commission job. I, I loved it. Um, but uh, when 9-11 happened, it kind of just made me recalibrate everything. And I thought about what I was doing and I thought about my my purpose. And I realized that it was like, I probably had a little bit more purpose to find. And um, so my cousins and I ended up deciding we we're going to travel. And we, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of El Camino de Santiago, but it's a, yeah. a pilgrimage in Spain. And so we ended up walking uh, about 500 miles across Spain from the Pyrenees Mountains to the Atlantic Ocean uh, in the fall of 2001. And uh, it was just a remarkable kind of transformational experience in, in my life. And when I got back to the States, uh, I was managing a band and I realized that if I wanted to go, like I needed to you know, get a job. And so I worked at Banana Republic in the mall, mostly for the discount. Uh, and then when it came time to the summer, the band I was managing, we went out to Colorado for a month and recorded an album. When I got back, I was looking in the, you know, I was thinking, what am I going to do in September? And it was the first September I didn't have a plan. And I opened up the the free newspaper at Tower Records, and I saw an ad up in the corner. It said, "What are you doing in September?" And I was like, "That's weird." 
and it was for city year and i was like those are the free timberland people from boston and so i went in uh, what am i doing really, maybe i'm getting a new pair of tims exactly right <laughs> uh i earned those though um i went in and uh you know i spent 17 years at city year um, wow. started working at a high school in north philly um and about five years into my my tenure um, an opportunity came to come back to headquarters in boston and that was kind of the opportunity i've been looking for a chance to get back to my hometown uh get back to my my people my family and and so i moved back uh and led recruitment for city year nationally uh at the time you know, City Year was really expanding a lot. And I, I thought that it would be really interesting to be part of that expansion. I was really, um, it was cool to see how City Year became part of the fabric of the cities that they were in. And mm. so I wanted to be, I wanted to do that. And so an opportunity came up for me to start City Year in London and I jumped at it. And when I got back from London after about a year, uh, I focused on starting up um, City Years around the country. Did that for, the longest, um, the longest amount of time, about eight or nine years. Uh, but really, were, you, were your kids so sorry to just to jump in there? So when you were in London, had you met, um, had you met your your wife at that time? Like, no, um, yeah. no, we might have we might have met right around the time I got back. Okay, um, but no, it was just just me. And um, mm -hmm. what was crazy was. Uh, it was a, I had to make a choice uh, by yeah. going to London, and there were some things that I had to sacrifice. Um, right. But I knew that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and um, I, I have no no regrets about how anything is really um, shaken out. Um, but the one kind of regret is why I'm at Make a Wish. Um, all my work for City Year had, was outside of Boston, where I called home, where like mm -hmm. where where is where you felt like, where you felt at home exactly yeah. and so um about two and a half years ago uh an opportunity came to um to join make a wish here in massachusetts and rhode island and you know i had spent my entire career focused on the education side of of this work um and i felt like i was cheating to kind of leave to leave that um but it, to your point um that's when i was having I, my son was born and I had a daughter that was on the way, and I realized that I'm going to have my own education fight in my own family. I can mm -hmm. fight for my own kids because mm -hmm. you know, our plan right now is for them to go to Boston Public School. And so I know that I'm going to be, um, you know, an active, involved parent along with my wife. Um, and so that's what I'll get to do. Uh, and at the same time, you know, to your earlier point, make a wish is a no brainer in terms of the mission, in terms of what we get to do every day. Um, there's some tough days uh, at Make-A-Wish, as you can imagine. Um, but like I said, most of the days are just filled with joy. Um, and the fact that we're able to work with these children and these families that are going through the toughest time. Uh, you know, every single day in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, there's a family that gets a phone call that's going to dramatically change their lives. And the fact that we get to step up and be part of some of the joy um, some of the healing, uh, just even just part of the journey of what they're going through with their medical um, diagnosis uh, is just really powerful. And we definitely don't take that for granted. Um, it's a serious place that's filled with a lot of joy. Yeah. So 
so talk to me a little bit about that when you, th- you mentioned like every day there's a family that's gotten a bad diagnosis and they and they get that call that brings them joy like is how you know you walked into an infrastructure that existed um is that an infrastructure that is constantly evolving like is part of it the you know the 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 management consulting hat is on i am actually wearing a hat that but it's a pretend hat that goes over this hat um the i'm just thinking from like an operational efficiency standpoint like have you is part of your role like figuring out ways to be able to um interact with more families per day like is like is that a metric for success like to be able to in this 365 days a year like we want to increase the net you know number amount of people families that we can bring joy to on a on a daily basis like and maybe that isn't it but it, hopefully you get where i'm going and sort yeah. of like and then what I, i'm curious is like from a in in 2023 like what's the what are some of the ways that you go about you know improving your uh, organization's ability uh, to to be able to to satisfy that goal. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, and it's hard to talk about when you're talking about people's lives. It's hard to talk about scales. I know like, what a scale I know. look like. Yeah. Um, but and I don't I mean to you, be insensitive. Yeah, no. I'm just like, yeah, it's like no, I, it's like right. when you break it down to the mechanics, because then ultimately the outcomes are improving people's lives and joy. Which I, I know, it's like it's okay, like. Well, how do we how do we do that? You know, how do we and and obviously a, a part of it is like the the supply or, or the the ability for you know the 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 wishes to be delivered against right, which which means those relationships, which means all the things that you're doing like in the community, right? So there's like it's a complex compound function that in, includes various uh, variables that you're sort of you know always trying to. Uh, improve um, right. such that you can in- increase the output which is net more kids and their families experiencing joy while they're dealing with like the mo- perhaps the most you know difficult t- time in their lives right this 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 yep. um heart-wrenching diagnosis i think there's a couple of things that come to mind one um the cost of wishes is doing nothing but going up and i think that before i came to make a wish you don't really understand the the magnitude of of what it takes. Um, our mission delivery team is just heroes that um, are so close to this work, and um, it's not that we when it, a wish comes up for a, a child that wants to go on a cruise, um, we don't just call the cruise line and they say, "Oh yeah, sure, send them." Like right. we raise money, so not that, that easy. <laughs> pay for those things, like right. We have. Um, you know, 80% of our wishes right now are travel wishes and the cost of travel has just been skyrocketing. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is we had um, about 260 plus wishes that were on hold um, from the pandemic. And so if you unpack that, those are probably some of our most vulnerable um, children in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, because those are people that said, you know, we, this is our best chance for this kind of experience. And so we'd rather wait rather than pivot and, you know, do something else or, you know, meet a celebrity on Zoom. We'll we'll wait. And so we let them. And so we had over 260 wishes that were on hold. And then when you once travel reemerged, we and also our referrals started to go back up. 
we were getting our normal amount of referrals. And so we have right now more wishes than we have uh, the resources for. And so that's why it's important. Every dollar that we raise is really helping us you know, meet the need. And we're not going to ever turn any, any wish away. We just need to catch up um, mm-hmm. financially. In our best year ever, we've uh, done uh, about 407 wishes. Um, this year we're on track. We budgeted to do 370, but we're trending um, closer to 400. And so nice. it's uh, it's remarkable, but that's going to take more resources. And so we're 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 on the we're balancing between how do we keep up this pace and get the word out that we need um, you know more resources. You know we need airline miles, we need hotel miles, we you know everything that we need when we build a treehouse or put in a swimming pool. There's just uh, uh, so much that goes into making a wish happen. Uh, and that's another thing that I'll say. We really appreciate um, not just the community that's impacted by the wish, but the community that is impacted and allows us to, to deliver on the wish. So, you know, first responders, um, lumber yards, uh, construction companies, uh, the towns that we have to call in and get permits. You know, it, it, a wish really touches so many people. Yeah. In terms of the like financing, like or fundraising, um, how much like how much is it centralized to like large donor? Like for people listening to that are like, oh well, I don't have an, I don't have enough to like I can't like I I can't give you know millions of dollars. Like I mean, talk a little bit about the range of folks that provide. Um, uh, you know, donations to support Make-A-Wish and just talk about like some of those like fundraising efforts a bit, just to kind of ground like listeners and myself, like in the reality of like the different ways that maybe it's more accessible to to play your part. Right. I'll say that, um, you know, City Year, which is an organization that I'm, I'm extremely proud of being a, an alum of and a longtime staff member. But, you know, it's a, $150 million plus, you know, nonprofit. It's one of the big boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, a, a small gift there w- wouldn't be noticed as much as a small gift is um, when you're talking about Make-A-Wish, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. And so whether that gift is uh, $25 or $25,000, um, you know, that's going to be 100% on our radar. We, had a, we, we look every single day and all the donations that come in and uh, appreciate the ones that are even $5, you know, we'll get checks in the mail for, uh, for what people can, whatever people can, can do. Um, and all of that is hundred percent appreciated because, uh, it really does take all of the little pieces, um, to make uh, a wish come true. The average cost of a wish for us is about uh, $12,500. Um, Obviously, some wishes are a lot cheaper, but some wishes are a lot more expensive. And so um, that's the average, and that's kind of what we settle on and the way we, we, we think about things. And so you know, when we have a school that's able to, over the course of the year or over the course of you know, putting on a dance or a you know, dress-down day, and they're able to raise $5,000 over the course of the year, that's a huge deal for us. And so yeah. that's... Um, that's amazing. And then of course we have, you know, our gala where this year we're celebrating our 40th anniversary and we honored 
uh, Big Poppy, uh, at the beginning of April. Um, at that event, we raised $1.5 million. Nice. And, uh, you know, that's from, you know, amazing sponsors, amazing individual contributors, um, you know, where people are, are stepping up and literally raising their paddle to, to secure the funds that we need to make all these wishes happen. And so it really runs the spectrum. I would say that in a year, we probably have over 10,000 unique donations um, nice. that come in. So it really is all different, uh, all different levels. Yeah, that's helpful. I mean, I jot a couple of notes down on my notebook because we, I have a team that helps cut up some clips for promotion. I think the sort of here in that range, like, you know, five to $25 up to 25,000, like just it, it's more accessible, I think, than a lot of, than certainly myself. And I'm sure a lot of people think like, a little bit matters, right? You're not, you not you may aspire to be, but you're not one of the big boys, and and right. you know every little bit is is helping impact the ability to sort of increase um, increase the ability to bring more joy to to children yeah. and their families. And, and we want to be good stewards of of the resources as well. And so yeah. um, it's just really um, powerful when you see uh, someone that. You know, puts a, a birthday fundraiser on their Facebook page um, to raise a thousand dollars for Make a Wish. Um, mm -hmm. When you see somebody that's willing to you know run the half marathon in Providence, like we had uh, nineteen runners last nice. week, last weekend. Um, collectively, they raised fifty six thousand um, dollars. So you can see how it can start. All these things can start to really add up. Um, but even, we had an amazing um, kid named Jackson um, who sent us. Uh, a letter and it explained what what the cash was in in, in the envelope i wouldn't recommend sending cash in the mail but jackson did and he sent us 23 dollars. and he said he opened up his, his piggy bank and he had 27 dollars in it and he wanted to send 23 to us we have no idea what happened to the other four dollars but i will say it's just amazing to see um you know what what that meant and um last year we had an event with over 400 people there and at the end of the event, Jackson came up on stage and uh, they said, does anybody want to show Jackson like the power of how this can multiply? And we had over 400 people all raise their hand and match Jackson's $23. And nice. so it's really powerful when you think about how these things can can expand, whether it's, you know, kids putting on a, a lemonade stand uh, on the vineyard, which that happens to, um, you know, last week we were, uh, we had a, a middle school had make a wish be the beneficiary of, of their um their dance and they sold candy and so really it could be anything that's so cool yeah. do, you, do you have um are there some like is there another story or a recent story or or that uh, an individual or a family that you've kind of interacted with that particularly inspiring one that i'm sure they all kind of get you but one that you'd like to share oh as you can imagine it's um there's a lot of a lot of stories and um i think the story for me um that sticks out the most is uh i'll call him my friend because he is my friend but jose um jose um uh, it's gonna get me um jose is is just an amazing kid and um his wish happened a few years ago um but since then, uh, Jose has been part of what we call our, our wish community. And it's, you could think of it as alumni. And so mm -hmm. once somebody gets their wish, then we welcome them into the wish community. And 
we find all kinds of ways for the wish community to stay connected whether it's um you know this weekend there's um about 60 folks in the wish community that are going to the red sox game together um nice. but w- with jose he and his family uh, were at everything and um including last year at our gala and there was um a really amazing thing happened we had um some the red sox had donated a suite for a bad bunny concert um mm-hmm. at fenway last year which was like the concert of the summer and uh it ended up being like a huge um fundraiser for us but before the the money had gotten so high Ho- jose's mother was one of the people that was bidding on it because she was like 23 people in a suite bad bunny this would be awesome and then you know i was joking with her afterwards and she was like once i saw like what it was going for um but uh i happened to know who won the um the the concert and uh when i told them i was like hey if you end up with some extra tickets we should let jose and his mom know and nice. uh sure enough i uh i called jose's mom once i got the the green light and um they surprised jose and brought him to the bad bunny show where he got a chance to hang out with with the donor that uh won the thing but also with his family and just being a kid um you know it was uh it's amazing to get a chance to to spend time with um with these kids and I, I think our wish community is a very powerful way to do it uh we're coming up on our 10,000th wish that we've granted in massachusetts and rhode island and so that's um 10,000 families uh 10,000 communities that have all been touched and to find ways for this community to stay together um and stay connected by their shared experience um that's probably what sticks out the most for me um we have awesome wishes all the time um whether it's to hang out with athletes or whether we had a a kid recently who wished to be a Disney Imagineer. Uh, We had a a kid wish to be a a Pixar um, pastry chef. Um, The imagination is just uh, amazing, but um, there's also something really powerful about um, like puppy wishes, the way that a puppy can become part of the the family and become that. uh, I think, one of the things that can get really lost um, in the wish journey is how the child can feel like they are to blame in some way um, or that they're a drag on their family. And um, the wish can be something that the child owns and the child is the one that's able to contribute and bring it back to their family. And so it's something that they get to, to do. And it's really powerful to, to see that all, how that all plays out. I have a follow-up question for you on all that you just shared, and I really appreciate you keeping it real with me today. I really do. Um, You got a little choked up as you started to talk about Jose and just sharing the story. Like, like why, you know, why, like, why is that? Like, where's that emotion come from? Like what's, what's yeah, just if you could share a little bit more there, just on like on the real, like on the personal level, like, you know, like, why like where's that you know there's 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 emotion bursting out of you when you start to talk about that you know that individual and 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 his mom yeah jose and his mom i think um it comes from a place of genuine um love but at the same time um it's impossible as a dad to not think about how um yeah this could be 
this could yeah. be your family. Um, that's that's what I felt. Yeah, I felt I mean, that from you. I felt because I felt it, and I got I started to feel it because I'm like I immediately thought of it. Just made it grounded me in like feeling and thinking of my girls. And yep. So you thought of your son and your daughter every time. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I think that that's what's really interesting about about Make a Wish is that there's no socioeconomic line. The relatability to, of it is universal. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's no, um, a diagnosis doesn't care whether you live in Roxbury or whether you live in Reading. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter like where you, where you are or what, what your background is or what there's, there's nothing. It could, it could come for, for any family. And um, the fact that we're able to, you know, be welcomed into these families' lives at this really vulnerable point um, is just really um, is really special, and um, you would never wish um, the need for a wish on any family. Um, but I think that that's why it's such a reverent thing. Um, the fact that um, Jose and his mom have welcomed us into their lives beyond the wish uh, is really what it's all about. Um, this is not a like. What, what, what we're making sure that this is not is transactional. This is not about like getting a wish done and then moving on to another wish. This is about like make, getting a high quality wish uh, accomplished for a child and for a family um, and then staying with that family and having that family stay with us. I love that. And it's in facilitating the community. That's why I think that the community stuff you're doing your alumni, if you will, but that community, that, that facilitation of community afterwards and the swell and the ground yeah. swell that that creates, like that cascades and creates, it's it's like this, that creates this beautiful sort of um, impact cycle that is going to, you know, stoke and support more families, stoke and inform and, and, and likely generate more um, fundraising. Like it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it doesn't sort of like so much more starts after the wish. Right. Exactly. And I'll say, um, this is, I'll debut this on your, on your show, Zach, um, cool. wishes are all around us. Like you wouldn't believe just in conversation, um, how I was at the Celtics game the other night, um, the loss, it was, it was bad, but the guy I was sitting next to, uh, was like, just ask me what I do. And I said, I work at make a wish his sister 22 years ago, had a wish for a family cruise. Um, and he's like, I, I'll never forget it. Um, she was 16 years old and had brain cancer and she's doing great now. Um, and you just, you're always, I, I can't even tell you countless times you're just talking to someone and they either were directly impacted by a wish themselves um, or, you know, they're one or two steps removed. So the wishes are really all around us. And when you think about it like that, it's a little bit easier to think how you might want to, get involved. Yeah. I'll tell you what you are not. You are not an imposter. And I want to talk about imposter syndrome because I thought it was really interesting and talk about relating relatability. Uh, I too, oftentimes in my career, I've had imposter syndrome. I think, I think everyone does. I think it doesn't matter the background you come from. I mean, my dad was a UPS driver. Like that was the that was success like that in that it it was and is success like 37 years going to work every day like gets me choked up a little bit like i i learned so much about to, how to be successful for my dad 
And like his goal for me was like to not have to be on my feet all day. Like his goal for me was to like get a job in a, in a cube, you know, like just be in front of a computer. Like that's the future. I'm like, just, he, he's like, he didn't go to college. I think he putzed around Bunker Hill for a semester or two. Um, but it, it, he, he had the foresight to kind of give me that direction. Um, so, f- but for me, I do feel like I over-index on imposter syndrome and I have a group of friends who've been successful and we like help each other out, like through those troughs of disillusionment as maybe the startup world would put it. Um, talk to me about like your sort of, your thoughts on it on, on sort of imposter syndrome. Cause it's something you called out in like the pre-podcast Q and A and I just, I find it interesting and I always, I, I find it really relatable for, for everyone to kind of, um, to be able to hear kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a terrible fundraiser. Um, because I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really, um, I don't really do fundraising. I, I try to just be myself and, um, and really authentically build relationships, uh, with people. And so, I think the imposter syndrome on on the professional side of the house is that I've actually been a very successful fundraiser um, in in, in lots of different arenas. Um, But I, but it's not like by the book, it's not the science of fundraising. I guess it's the art um, that I, that I do it. So in a lot of spaces, I don't, um, I don't fit in. I don't, look like um the, i mean even when i got this job um i knew i know some of the, the board members um who are like really awesome people but you know they were taken aback i think when when they saw me because they just wasn't i don't think I'm, i fit the mold of um what somebody that's leading the fundraising um for a nonprofit looks like and mm. that's kind of i feel like that's been um a pattern, not just with fundraising, but just in, in life. Um, my mother, um, was a teacher and she taught at every level. Uh, and she instilled in me, um, she basically treated me like an adult right away. And then, you know, obviously when she passed, I had to grow up really fast and, you know, for lots of other reasons, but I've always found myself in spaces where, you know, either I was the only, or, you know, one of the the few but um the imposter syndrome just i feel like it comes from a place where you're sitting around and you feel like everyone else is reading from the same book and you and you don't have that book and so um i guess like it's a combination of like okay let me let me actually take a peek and see if i can get this book myself but really what i've what i've found more successful is to just throw the book out and just try to be myself um and I think that when you're authentic, it does a lot to combat the not only the imposter syndrome, um, but it does a lot to combat um, people's perceptions um, of what of what you are and what you can be and and how you can lead. Um, and so, really, that's what it's come down for me: is how can I just be myself uh, in an authentic way and have other people either take it or or leave it. And, um, you know, what I have found here at Make-A-Wish is a, a fantastic team of people that, that believe in me uh, and people that I believe in and I believe in them. And so, you know, we're finding a lot of success um, 
doing it my way, which might be a little bit uh, unorthodox. But um, imposter syndrome is something that I think that we always are going to find some way to to wrestle with. Um, mm-hmm. Not even just professionally, but you know, in in life. Even you and I were talking about you know fatherhood and being good husbands. Um, you know, like, am I an imposter? father like i don't know I, I don't i hope not i don't think so I, I think my kids are doing all right um but it's just uh it's just always going to be something i think that is in the back of your mind yeah and and there's ways i tell like i think in the conscience conscious space of like quote unquote imposter syndrome um we're actually doing a real service to our like our, our wives and our kids by Think like being so aware of the magnitude, like the importance of like that role, right? Because there's no more important role than if you have kids, like the role you have as a parent. And, you know, I think at times, like, because we got like, I told you, like, when we were chatting, like, even before we went live, like, I love co parenting with my wife. And uh, I was telling you the story about how I like help, like, we had been talking about introducing any an earlier bedtime and elongating our babies. And I just did it. Like I, 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 our, our baby daughters, um, you know, she sleep time was two hours earlier when my wife went off to a bachelor party a few weeks ago. Like, you're welcome. I did it. Uh, and, and I was like so proud of myself. And she was, she was like, yeah, you did it. You did, you're great. Um, and it's like, we don't know if we're doing everything's right. There's no perfect. I tell, I tell my, our older daughter who's almost six. I'm like, I'm like Mila, like, there's no perfect. Like you don't have to be perfect. Like you just have to like seek improvement. Like you have to be mindful and be aware that you want to do well and understand that on the journey, you oftentimes will come short of what you believe doing well is. Right. And that in that, in those lessons, that's how you'll, you'll eventually go through the next, you'll burst through the next wall and you'll burst through the next wall. It's just all part of the process. Um, so I kind of like, that's how I, uh, reconcile my anxiety about like, am I being a great dad? Am I being present enough? Like, am I balancing work and life enough? Um, cause it's all important. Um, and you know, we spend so much time working, right. Um, but we don't have to spend as much time, I think, as we've historically worked. I've worked with companies where it was just like normal to like wake up and work at eight and then like work till eight. Um, and I run my own company now and I don't like to, nor do I want others to work past like five. Right. <laughs> um, and I was just talking to my creative director this morning and my silent partner, we have like a weekly call. We were thinking about moving to Friday and the suggestion was made to make it Friday afternoon. I was like, summer's coming. I'm like, we should all take summer Fridays. Are you kidding me? I'm like, I don't want to call on the calendar afternoon. Uh, come on. Like we, you know, we, it's, it, I want to spend time with my family. Um, right. life's short. Like I got it. Like I got to be present there too. Um, we all work plenty. So I don't know if you want to riff off that a little bit, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's important to, cause that's how it helps you be the best version of you for make a wish by being present and being feeling like you're being the best version of yourself at home. Yeah. I mean, work-life balance is what, what I mean, what a loaded statement work-life balance has become but like you have to you have to actually just do it you have to live it you have to make um make those choices and you know we talked about that coming to boston 
back to Boston for me uh, at, at City Year was was coming home, but I was still was traveling and be, being everywhere else. Coming to Make a Wish was what kept me local. That was the the main driver of that was the fact that I didn't want to be uh, on you know doing one hundred and fifty thousand miles in the air and a hundred nights in a hotel anymore. I wanted to be home, be present with, with my with my family, and um, you know that goes for my team uh, as well. I'm very um, conscious, and I even joke with them. <laughs> like, well, my my guy uh, who leads our work in Rhode Island, Mike, um, has has little kids as well. And, uh, you know, he'll, I'll talk to him and he's on his way to, you know, a baseball game, his son's baseball game. And I'm all, I always joke with him. I'm like, Hey, make sure you mark this down on your, your timesheet that doesn't exist. Uh, you know, he knows that I'm, I'm joking because yeah. it's really, I value that even more. It's going to make, mm-hmm. um, it's going to make everyone more, more productive. And there's, there's going to be undulation. Yeah. There's going to be yeah. times when we all have our, have to grind and put in those hours, but, when we're not in those times, we have to take a step back and really value um, our whole self and our yeah. whole self, you know, making sure that we're that. And and, and that goes for people without families as well. Uh, it's not yeah. just if you have a family, you get a pass to do those things. No, you have to invest in, in your, in your own life. Um, we already spend enough time at work and with the people we work with um, <laughs> to like, you have to carve out that that other time, and so I, I force yeah. it on my team. And um, there's also a lot of make a wish that takes us into the weekends, as you can imagine. And mm-hmm. so it's finding um, okay, where can we where can we get back some of that time that mm-hmm. you're spending on the weekends? And the the other thing is, um, if if it wasn't going to be total chaos, you'd probably see my kids with me right now because um, I love bringing my kids to work. I love having my kids be part of and see mm-hmm. what I do. Uh, you know, yeah. we we see that in Boston um, as a Celtics fan. We see that with Jason Tatum and Al Horford right now. Their Absolutely. their kids are in the locker room. Dude, Deuce is a star. Exactly, and so <laughs> that's kind of the the um, that's the that's the mentality that I want to bring. And <laughs> I, my kids are really proud that I work at Make a Wish. Uh, when they see the Make a Wish logo or even a blue star anywhere, or even the Subaru logo, because we have such a great partnership with Subaru, they immediately, you know, say, ah, that's daddy's, that's where daddy works. I'm like, no, I don't work at Subaru, yeah. but um I also would like to, you know, this is not a question for you, but yeah. put this one, log this one in case you ever get a chance to have Joe Missoula on. I'd love to hear yeah. his thoughts on imposter syndrome. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't mind <laughs> that. Uh, he would probably be very contentious, right? Um, based on the way he handles media questions, um, and I wouldn't mind media training him. <laughs> just throw that throw that out there. I I'm a I'm a fan of the local local dude from <clears throat> Rhode Island in his first head coaching role, but would uh would appreciate him taking a more tactful approach to the media, just doing their jobs. Just doing their jobs. Hey, look, um, he's he's learned from yeah. from Bill Belichick, who who's been pretty successful. <laughs> right, right. But the, the the Celtics are like not only um, you know important to to both you and I, obviously. Yeah. But they're a huge also you know to tie it back to make a wish. They're a huge part of what we do. Um, yeah. We had um, and we've been kind of me and me. Yeah, and I was going to ask you where they saw like where they fell in like you know, rank order, like partners locally. Cause like I mentioned to you growing up, like my, I, 
anytime I've been in the garden, I feel like I oftentimes have had like a make a wish experience. Yeah. So it just feels like a very tight relationship. Yeah. It's um, the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Bruins. Yeah. Um, we have a really, really strong relationship with the local sports teams. Um, Dan Kraft was on our board um, for a really long time with the, so the Patriots and revolution um, with the minor league teams, even um, we've had like amazing experiences. The Springfield Thunderbirds um, have, have make a wish night. The Providence Bruins um, had a make a wish night. Um, the Worcester Red Sox not only had a, a make a wish night the past um, three years running, um, they also stepped up as like financial sponsors of, of, of our work, um, which right. just says a lot. Um, the Celtics though, um, really have a, a, a special place, um, in what they do. Uh, Rich Gotham, um, is the president of the team is he sits on our board right now. Um, and it's just been such an inspiring leader, uh, for me. Um, it's great when you have uh, board members that are really invested in your, in your work, but at the same time, um, just having them you know, to bounce ideas off of or to run things past or, um, you know, make things work. Um, that's just, it's tremendous. And, you know, me and one of the wish coordinators, we've actually been kind of waiting. We're like, when is, uh, when are we going to have a kid that wishes to meet the Celtics? Like we had spent, it's been a couple of months, like let's go. Yeah. Like, is there any, anyone else? Yeah. We're uh, ready to deliver. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we, we just had a, yesterday we had a, a, a an inkling that there's going to be a kid that has a, a Tatum wish. Um, at the same time, you know, the Red Sox, I can't say enough. Um, Amy Warius, who leads all of their um, HR function is uh, sits on our board and the way that she delivers for make a wish every day is huge. And now she's gotten her daughter involved. Her daughter uh, started a, a wish club at her school. And nice. so, um, that's it, awesome. There's, it's just, it keeps Well, you going. mentioned that earlier, the importance of like kids being inspired to like find ways that they can get involved and take action. It is. And, and it's, and it's not for any reason, like they're the future, you know, big donors of, uh, that, that we're after it's more like hey it really is about kids helping other kids and and helping um, kids yeah and it's just like overall like helping you know helping kids develop and like just be good citizens together right you know like just do good things acts of kindness yeah and and i think uh you know in boston in particular the sports are such so um intertwined with our our city and our culture and you know same goes for rhode island uh except for maybe the bottom half, which trends Yankee or something like that. But um, it's just amazing to see how the sports teams all um, have stepped up, uh, especially for our 40th anniversary. Uh, we have really powerful um, displays of, of, of generosity uh, with us, including the revolution. Um, this past uh, training camp down in Florida, the revolution hosted uh, a wish kid who wanted to become improve as a goalie and he got to go and be part of the team for training camp. Um, nice. just phenomenal, uh, amazing creative stuff that, and the revs have Matt, they have Matt Turner, right. Who's on the U S team. Matt Turner left yeah. the revolution to go oh, to left. Arsenal in England, which is, uh, uh, my, which is my team. And, there you uh, go. so I have an Arsenal Matt Turner Jersey cause I'm, I'm a huge revs fan as well. 
I have Rev season tickets. I'm a, I'm a oh, proud, season, awesome. proud season ticket holder for I, them. I was bummed because I coached my daughter in soccer and Beverly Youth Soccer Association sent a thing out that like everyone, like there's like a Beverly Youth Soccer Community Day. It's like June 11th or whatever, whatever that Saturday. It's a June 10th or 11th. And it's the same day as a wedding that my wife's in that, that, we're, in that we're going to. So I'm like, oh, I got to go to a Revs another game. We should go to a Revs game together. I want to bring my daughter to a game. Yeah, that would be great. Um, make a wish night at the Revs is going to be uh, sometime in October. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. We'll get you out before then, though, in the summer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, whenever. I'll come in October, too. Um, but yeah, let's get, let's get out there sooner. Um, I, I want to double click on something you mentioned earlier. Just curious how you see it kind of evolving, changing. Like, you mentioned when you were meeting with like the board for this role, like you didn't look the part of the, of like the normal sort of make a wish leader, I guess. Like I kind of want to unpack that a little bit. Like, is that, is that the color of your skin? Is that the, is that the fro? Like, is it, is it your, is it, it what do you think about sort of, you know, is it appearance? Is it background? Like, what do you think is, is, is in that statement? I want to unpack it. And do you see it changing? Um, and if so, how? And like you also alluded to, like you've only worked in nonprofits, and you mentioned like by and large, like some of your imposter syndrome that you were riffing on, like it kind of like it comes from like it. It seems like you were indicating like you're around people that maybe whether they did or didn't look like you, they they had a book that you didn't have. Um, so I'm just curious, like you know, because I also applaud like um, the Make a Wish board for like making sure that they are giving someone an opportunity that you from experience in the industry feel like historically hasn't to be in your role. And I think it's really, um, I think there's just that, that, that sort of like diversity, equity, inclusion kind of, um, element to all of this, I think is, is valuable to unpack if, if that's sort of what you're scratching into there. Yeah. I think that, um, in my, in my experience, what I've seen from the nonprofit world is that, there can be a lot of diversity um, at the entry level, and then okay. as it as you go up the the, the ladder, it starts to to drop off. Um, hmm. And I feel like that that's something. Um, be, that's that's been my experience, and I think mm -hmm. that that's been the experience that I've. That I think a lot of people have. Um, I don't want to speak for anyone, but um, so I think that when you see people that are doing the work, the the program side, that's often where you find um, a lot of the diversity uh, of, of experience, but also, you know, all the things that are wrapped up in the DEIB. Um, they're more on the, the program side or the, the people that are closest to the work, not the ones that are maybe seen as, you know, pulling the strings and making the, deci the decisions. And so mm -hmm. um, it's been... Um, I I appreciate uh, the leadership of of our CEO um, Sean, who I've known for a really long time, um, in making sure that you know that was not going to be any kind of barrier or or burden. And so, um, we're really intentional about having a you know a, a diverse team at Make a Wish that represents the the community uh, that we serve. Like I said before, there's no. Um, boundaries to the eligibility of the kid. They don't come from one, just one zip code or anything like that. They can come from, from anywhere. And so it would be, a, it would be a, it wouldn't make sense for our entire 
um, staff team to, you know, look all one way. And so mm-hmm. um, we were really intentional about making sure that uh, we're diverse and it's not about any kind of, um, you know, intentionally hiring or you know moving people around or anything like that. It's really about um, if you want things done differently, you have to do them differently. And mm-hmm. so whether that's um, expanding the networks of where you're, you're recruiting people, um, mm-hmm. looking under, you know, in different, different places, uh, you have to do it. You can't just like say that you're going to be intentional about addressing, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, uh, and then keep going back to the same, um, things that you've always done. You're going to get the same results. And so you have to change it up. And so, um, I think that, you know, I, I might signify a little bit of that, um, mm-hmm. for, for make a wish, uh, and I couldn't be more proud to be, you know, on this team and to step back and and look at uh, this team visually. You can see how it's really representative at this point. And then when you unpack it and you see all the diversity of experience as well, um, mm-hmm. we have a really great group of people that's all um, showing up to work every day, uh, committed to to our kids, uh, and is you know thinking of kids first. Yeah. And I in, think that diver- that's, you know, that's a testament to the board as well, which right. um, has really held itself accountable um, yeah. to increasing uh, their own diversity and incre- increasing the the industries that are um, that we're trying to tap into as well. So, yeah, I, I have I have conversations like this a lot with like people I work with and partners like we do a lot of like you know, brand development and marketing and generational diversity comes up has started mm. has come up a lot. Like I bring that up a lot with people where. Because um, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial, and so a bunch of my peers are millennials, and so it's like been like a important for me, like and, and actually really valuable, and and we've had really interesting and dynamic sort of um, brands and go to markets uh, sort of develop where I've collaborated with uh, you know a 50 year old analyst and like a 23 24 year old like. Gen Z, you know, the writer from like inner city Chicago and like the millennial crew, like, and we've had this really interesting, um, not really like just learning process and like stretching process for each involved. And then sort of, um, I feel like the result has been very unique um, when we like develop a visual identity or like come up with a narrative it's got diverse input from like different generations and those different generations maybe are from also di- different backgrounds. So, Oh, I just feel like better things, like, be- like better things tend to happen. Um, and certainly like in the creative world, I'm in, I think it's increasingly apparent to me that you got to have a lot of different types of, um, opinions and, and, and characters from, from different backgrounds. Cause it kind of keeps you fresh and on your toes. And, right. and and it kind of stokes your fire. It kind of cha- it challenges you in all the good ways. Yeah, and I think that you know you can see that. Um, I have a I have a pretty a big team, and and sometimes early on, everyone would be waiting to hear what I thought when we'd be discussing mm-hmm. something, and I would be like, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not going first. This. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna dictate this. <laughs> I I'm hear that. Gonna, yeah, um, I want to I want to hear like other 
other people's opinions. I want to be able to build on that. Or, you know, um, sometimes it's it's said in, in a joking way, uh, but like in a brainstorm, there's no bad ideas. Sometimes that follows a really bad idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, there's no bad ideas, but uh, there's no bad ideas. Ooh, but yeah, but it's. Uh, I think everything. Um, people should feel comfortable um, to to say and share and and offer perspective because all those perspectives going to come together. Um, this shouldn't be any. Um, like I, I don't. I do not enjoy credit at all. Um, mm. What I really like is is for the team to all feel ownership and to feel collective credit. And so mm. the only way to accomplish that is by having everyone um, feel like they had some input. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. You know, it's, it's mother's day weekend and I just want to give a shout out to your mom. What was her name? Her name was Julie. My daughter's name for her. And your daughter's name name for her. Yeah. Uh, Julie's hella proud of you, as they'd say on the West Coast. Wicked proud, as we'd say in Boston. Um, but it's Mother's Day weekend, so I'm not like, is it? Is do you find yourself like do you do anything special um, to honor your mom, Julie? Like on on Mother's Day, like I mean, other than just honoring your your you know being there for your wife and, and kids, but just any yeah. love that you want to share in in her direction? Yeah, I will say. Um... To go a little bit deep, please do. I would. I lost my mom uh, in April when I was twelve years old. So before before Mother's Day, I and I remember that first Mother's Day. And I remember how people like walked around on eggshells um, with me, and uh, it was like kind of a to hell with it situation. And so I didn't, I didn't mess with uh, Mother's Day for a long time. And I remember when I, when my son was born, one of my first thoughts was, oh my gosh, like Mother's Day is like reborn. Yeah. Um, and hmm. so Mother's Day for me was not only was it dormant, but it was like actively, I was actively against Mother's Day mm-hmm. in my own mind. You were I not was, participating no, in Mother's Day. Actually, I was, a, I was, I think a really good participant um in reaching out to the mothers in my life okay and but but for me it was always done like i i was still my in my own head it was not a happy day it was not a happy day for you vis-a-vis your mother exactly but i but no people would not have known that because i was very outwardly um appreciative of the mothers that i that that i knew in my life but then um when I became a father and my, my, my own wife, um, you know, that's, this is, it's a whole new thing. So I don't want to, we, we also said that we weren't going to do any kind of like big mother's day or father's day, um, gifts. What we do is combine yeah. stuff. So this year we yeah. bought ourselves a new wagon for the neighborhood nice. and that's our mother's nice. day, father's day. I don't know if you, uh, if you watch the show bluey, um yeah oh yeah you can uh, me the aussies have the best humor yeah so we got i got a flush talking uh the mother and the father from bluey and i gave them to us the parents and the kids get to play with them but there are uh toys so that was our big mother and father day uh um stuff for for 2023 but yeah it's uh i think that 
it's not just Mother's Day, it's everything. Um, losing my mom made me kind of turn my back on a lot of that stuff. So I, we, I grew up celebrating Christmas, but I never had a tree until now, now with mm-hmm. my own, with my own kids. And so there's a lot of things that, um, there's a lot of reasons why my children and my wife are the most important parts of everything that I do. Do you feel like your children and your wife have brought you closer to your mom again? Because you've brought back some of that tradition, like a tree and the things that the last time you were really doing that, you were doing that with, with her? 100%. 100%. It's like, uh, it's, it's, that's beautiful. Like, what a gift from your wife and kids. Like, they're, like, there's like this closeness. Like, it's almost like, this reconciliation. Yeah. My wife is from, is from Louisiana. And so, um, she, you know, broke away from her, me family to be in Boston, um, here with me. And so we, the four of us have really, uh, we have a larger village of course, which is why we need the wagon for the neighborhood. But, um, we, uh, the four of us are really doing our own thing as a family. And, um, you know, we get down to Louisiana every year, usually around the beginning of Mardi Gras to spend time with, nice. with her family. Um, but when we're here, we're, we're a tight, um, unit. And so it also helps that my daughter is literally the spinning image of me when I was her age. Um, and so everyone, uh, everyone looks at my son and is like, Oh, I, I could see where, but it's like, no, it's my daughter. So wow. looking at, looking at her and hearing her name, um, it means a lot to to me, but it also means a lot to my cousins that loved my mom as as their aunt, and you know my my mom's um, siblings and everyone that knew her. She had an impact on a lot of people's lives, and so um, I think that I'm, I appreciate you saying that she'd be proud of me, um, and I hear that from the people that that knew her well as well. That's so cool. Yeah, let's end things on a fun Celtics note. Okay predictions for game seven and like do do we need any more coaching changes do we we got to double down on the double big lineup but how are we feeling you're going to be at the garden sunday right yeah I, all right I'm, what are you how are you feeling we have a we have a wonderful group of um of people in central mass uh who put on a um a golf tournament every year for us and it, it falls on monday monday morning and so they might catch me when i'm out there being a little bit hoarse <laughs> um well Jalen Brown did challenge you. He did. He I take that personally uh from Jalen. Uh the challenge to to bring it. Um I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game that kind of resembles uh last night. I could also see this being similar to because the Sixers are a worthy opponent, being similar to the way things ended in 2008 with a blowout of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I think that you know, either of those scenarios are, are very possible. If we, if the Celtics bring it, um, this uh, organization has assembled a really great, solid, deep team. And it would be really fun if we got to see some of the bench guys in in the fourth quarter um, yeah. having some fun. And uh, that would make for a really, really nice loose garden if we get Geno time. Geno time is always great. And uh, it does seem like we were talking about this before, but. It does seem like Blake Griffin would be a fun guy to hang out with. It seems like Blake Griffin would be a great guy to hang out with. Yeah. When I went to uh, the Boston College Clemson game this past fall, and uh, Blake was just recently with the Celtics, and it was like him, 
he might Brogdon might have been there too, and a couple other guys, but like he was there like representing the Celtics. They did a little thing on the field, and like he just looks like he's having a blast in Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is a good fit. I mean, he he can pull off. He's always been able to pull off like a little bit of a comedic streak. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would really like to hang out with him. I, I tried to uh, yeah. to get one of his jerseys, but yeah. they're just they're yeah. tough to get these jerseys. Tough, yeah, yeah. Any of uh, any of the Celtics that that you have forged some relationships with, or or any folks like Mike Gorman or any of the people around the organization? Yeah. Well, before I had kids and when I was on the road a lot, um, I found myself with lots of opportunities to see the Celtics on the road. And um, oh, cool! I remember uh, it was. It was right when we traded for Jeff Green. So, okay, I don't know, when we got him back. No, when we got him the first time. Oh, the first time. Okay, yeah. Oh, did he, he ever come back? Okay, it was. We were in Milwaukee, and um, that was the first time that I really met Mike Gorman. And um, nice. Ever Talk since about then, a, someone to hang with. He's okay, from sorry, Dorchester. He's yeah. from Dorchester yeah. too. Yeah. So every like every time I see him, uh, Mr. Gorman, and you know, come yeah. over and and catch up. He's just a uh, Awesome, awesome uh, person. Um, Max uh, hung out with him in San Antonio. Uh, Grandy, when we did um, the Celtics uh, Make a Wish Night at the Celtics back in November, um, I got the chance to sit with Grandy for an interview, which was like a thrill. And I used Max's cool. headset, um, nice. which was, which was uh, kind of surreal. Oh, that's cool. You were the color guy. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> uh, it was fantastic. But yeah, this group of players... Um, is uh, really something special. The guy that I'd I'd like to meet, which my wish would be, would be Jalen Brown, and um, yeah. it'd be to tell him what he means to this city, to this community. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping to, um, I, I would love to just shake his hand and appreciate him. Hell yeah! I I almost want to clip that up and make sure he sees it because sometimes like it seems like I don't know if he's gaslighting us or what. Like I'm not sure how he feels about Boston, you know? Because sometimes maybe he's. I don't know if he's judging Boston fans by maybe the the fringe or like the 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 worst of us. Like if we're you know acting a fool a bit, but I think Jalen Brown, um, his impact on the world will be greater than what he does on a basketball court. And I think the way that he um, inspires young people and you know takes time out to like be politically you know he's you know active and and visit the white house when he gets chances and like it just seems like he's um he cares a lot about things outside of basketball um that matter to our uh, the community and i think it's a good thing for boston to have a like a star like that here so yeah even his uh yeah. like it's it's pretty telling his choice of of footwear uh, in the Atlanta series where he, he had the custom Bill Russell, um, yeah. that picture of him and Bill Russell that he painted on his shoes is, was my header on Twitter for a long time. Cause nice. he was really Bill Russell means a lot to me and somebody I had a chance yeah. to meet, um, quite a few times yeah. and him and Jalen, I can see that, you know, something really getting yeah. past, um, that's between cool. Them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm rooting for, the Celtics to win, obviously. I have no idea what team we're going to see. I think you nailed it. Most likely, it's going to be a close game, and we're all going to be just like tense and loud. Um, <laughs> but based on the way this Celtics team has played, like I could see a lopsided game either way, just like it kept happening in the finals right. last last year. But i i do I do think that's less likely. Um, 
based on the fact that we're you know coming back home and we've already had one of those games. Yeah, we got that out of our system a couple games ago. Tatum showed up in the fourth, but wasn't great. Like I feel like the the Celtics are are due for like a really good game, and I think the Sixers have had a couple really good games, and so I think there's a hopefully a better chance that the, that the Celtics are like going to show up with like the better the the because just the better version of the Celtics than we've seen is better than most anyone in the league. Well, so. if you I mean Derek White on defensive team. Brogdon, six man of the year, smart hustle award, Tatum and Brown, first and second team all NBA. And they got de- defense votes too. Brown, I think they both did. Right. I mean, yeah. we're we're on paper and on the court when we're we're the better, we're the best team in the NBA. And so yeah. it just gotta put it all together. And um, what do we need? Um four, eight, nine more wins. Yeah. Let's. I, Nine I, more I, wins, I, baby. I, That's I want, a magic number. Yeah, I want. I want a duck boat ride. Yeah, let's go. I want to wave to you on the duck boat. Yeah, <laughs> get your butt on there. Um, so that could be. Maybe you can get on there. Wheels away on there and hang out with Jalen. Yeah, with Jalen. Right. Let's make George's. <laughs> let's make George's wish come true. <laughs> we George didn't get to talk about. Blast. We didn't get to talk about my dream job, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, talk about yeah. Not I I'm I'm totally happy at uh make a wish, but uh if I could be the fifteenth man on the Celtics, uh yeah. that, that might be it. Yeah, and we're not talking about a one day contract. Folks. No, no. No, no. We're talking about the, the victory cigar. And yeah. we actually George and I talked pre episode, like it like the, the, the shirt would be like uh the, the George Devaney shirt would be like you'd see his face with like his fro and the words would just be human victory cigar that's right you know what i'm out there yeah like when you're out there you know it's time it's gino time it's time to celebrate yeah and and (laughs) udonis haslam is covering me (laughs) right exactly yeah exactly the 15th guy the other team's out there too and y'all getting after it (laughs) and you know some overexcited like long shots yeah yeah. shoot it straight on because like you you know the bank the bank's going to be open right some ymca type (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) <laughs> George, this has been a pleasure, man. I'm I'm stoked that we got to sort of forge this relationship and and what is now like I, I truly sincerely um would call like a, a new friendship. Um I know we got some mutual it sounds like we or we have some sort of uh excuses to maybe get together in Beverly or Dorchester. So we'll have to make that happen. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we're uh we're just really proud of 40 years um of Make a Wish here in Madison, Rhode Island. And we're going to celebrate through December. And so Zach, it'd be great to, to get you more involved. Um, just let us know how you want yeah. to, and we'll, we'll be, we'll be ready. Awesome. I'm stoked for it. Count me in. Awesome. Thanks awesome. for having me on. Right. Thanks for being here and, uh, and go enjoy some time with, uh, with your kiddos today and, and all weekends going to be beautiful. I can't wait. All right. Awesome. Take care. Cheers, Boston. <laughs>